0: You know, I've been working on the Discordia stuff for a while now and and will be for the for a good chunk of the foreseeable future. So at some point, I think it's 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 less about the, the number of connections you make and more about making a couple of good ones. Welcome
1: to the Under the Mask podcast, where we discuss the super process behind superheroes, not just superheroes, aliens, horror, thrillers. If you can find it on a comics page, you can find it here. Here, you'll learn how to make comics. From the initial outlines, scripts, and artwork, to printing and putting the final book in a bag and board. For many years, Bill Cologne has written his book, Kinetic, and sold thousands of copies across the nation. And now we're inviting you along for an inside look to the comics process. If you're a fan of comic books, a total process junkie, or just looking for more insight into launching your own book, You're in the right place. This is the Under the Mask Podcast. And this is Bill Cologne. Under the Mask Podcast, episode 41. You know,
2: it seems the goal for any artist is to get enough work to make art full time. My guest today did just that. Before I get to today's guest, I'd like to remind you that on January 1st, I'm launching a Kickstarter for this podcast. We're going to have some awesome reward tiers like custom USBs and a chance to lock in guest spots for 2021. Our pre-launch page is live. You can support us by visiting underthemaskpodcast.com and clicking the big green notify me on launch button. This is also the last episode for 2020. I hope you have a festive holiday season and Happy New Year. Now, to today's guest. My guest today is a full-time comic book artist, best known for his work at Dark Tidings Press. His latest work is the Discordia Winter Special, The Rotted Liar and Apocrypha Number no. 1. It's live on Kickstarter through December 29th. You can support it by visiting www.discordiacomic.net slash ks i'd like to introduce patrick buermeyer patrick thank you so much for coming on and talking with me today yeah thanks for having me on
0: man appreciate it
2: first thing i want to do is have you tell us a little bit about your story who are you and how did you get to be with us here today
0: well um i don't know yeah where's a good place to start i mean i've always been interested in storytelling and over the course of going to school, I went to undergrad at Oregon State University, and I kind of meandered through different majors and different career tracks for (laughs) <laughs> longer than usual. Um, and eventually I was just like, I just need to get out. I need to finish school. <laughs> and the only classes that I was enjoying taking that didn't feel like a huge mental and emotional drain for me to like complete work on and even show up for classes was the art classes. And so at some point I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna just gonna go for it. And so so I did, I changed my major to art um, and I finished out and I sort of told myself as long as I can continue to pay my student loans doing art stuff, I'm gonna keep going for it. And so here we are, several years later now, and that's still happening, mostly. <laughs> COVID stuff not necessarily withstanding, but it's it's going okay.
2: Now, before school and before you decided to make it your major, make art your major, uh, were you drawing before then? When did you get started drawing?
0: I mean, I guess I always drew. But, you know, as like a kid, I don't, I guess I just, I guess when I was a kid, I just assumed that all kids drew. So it didn't seem like that special. And I don't know if it even necessarily was, you know, my parents were always pretty encouraging. But at the same time, everybody in the world says, don't do art because you will never make any money, (laughs) which is not necessarily untrue, but it's hard to, I don't know, it was hard for me initially to think about that as a realistic career, I guess, Um, because apparently even as an eight, nine, 10 year old or whatever, that's something that I thought about. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe that's just how I remember it. Um, But yeah, I did, I took some art classes um, just sort of for fun, like when I was little, but it was never anything particularly serious.
2: Yeah, I think that rings true with a lot of people. Um, a lot of people do a lot of stuff as kids. I mean, I know a lot of comic uh, peers that I know. They were into comics as kids and then got back into it later in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I think right around your teenage years is kind of when you fall out of comics and then you might get back into it or you might not.
0: Yeah, and I think that's that's pretty true for me, too. Um, I mean, I certainly read some comics when I was a kid, but I didn't have any subscriptions to, like, any of the big two or anything. I remember, I do vividly remember reading all of the Hellboy books from the library. I was like one of the only comics that the library like near my house had. And probably when I was like, I don't know, tw- 11 or 12 or something, I started reading all of those. Um, and those are definitely pretty, those resonated with me a lot. I still really like all of those, um, all of Mignola's stuff, all the Hellboy and extended Hellboy universe stuff is all really cool. But yeah, yeah, I think that, that kind of tracks. That tracks for me.
2: When do you feel you took the leap from amateur artist to professional? I mean...
0: <laughs> like I said, I said, uh, as long as I was able to pay my student loans, I was gonna keep doing it. But but that being said, I worked um, a handful of other jobs part time. I was always kind of doing art part time. Um, I only recently quit my my day job here um, and have been working full time. I think there's a lot of people who are producing very high quality stuff who that's how they're doing it. Um, I remember going to shows and just like chatting with other other creators and stuff and. People were <laughs> I feel like people were surprised that I was even asking when they quit their day job. They're like, oh, I still have two day jobs, and then I go to shows on the week, and their stuff is great. So I don't know. I always felt like that line is a little bit more blurred than it feels like or it seems.
2: I want to come back and talk to that uh, just about uh, kind of doing art professionally and also marketing yourself. Uh, but before we do, let's get talking about your latest work. Uh, that's the Discordia Winter Special, The Rotted <laughs> Liar and Apocrypha Number 1. Uh, give us the quick pitch for the book and let's talk about it.
0: So the there's let's see, four stories in total. It's going to be two different, uh, two different books on this Kickstarter. Um, one of them is three short stories, and then the other one is kind of it's still a short in that it's a one-shot, basically. There won't necessarily be a follow-up to this. But each one of these is a little piece. Uh, it's a little horror story set in the world of discordia which we just a few months ago had done the kickstarter for issue zero and with which we did again we did short stories focusing kind of on world building and then leading into what will be our ongoing series which will be kickstarting um hopefully in january and so it's it's a very it's kind of a dark fantasy world Um, there's a lot of i don't know i think I guess, just to give a touchstone, like I feel like things that have inspired both Chris and I a lot are, are, are Hellboy, Mignola, and then like Neil Gaiman stuff. So I think it very much has like a dark fairy tale feel. But there's also kind of some sci-fi and like steampunk elements as well. And the cool thing on this on this Kickstarter is that for The Rotted Liar, it particularly is focusing on um, little bits of it's like illustrated poetry through parts of it. And so it very much has that kind of folklory feel. Um, and that's actually <laughs> that's the sort of the narrative mechanic for this is that it's it's literally a character in the world is researching the folklore of his own world, and then we get to see his um, see his journey of of seeing this come to life.
2: And speaking of Chris Jerome, Chris was actually one of my first guests I ever had on under, under the mask podcast. I believe very he's- cool episode three i mean it there was, you go it was when i was first starting out had no idea how the interview was gonna go had no idea how this podcast was going gonna go how did you hook up with chris and dark tidings press did they approach you did you approach them how did it work out
0: so i did i reached out to him um but we both went to school at osu and so there's a an oregon state like jobs forum on i think it was on facebook and someone that i knew uh, sent me a link to a job posting that he'd put up, looking for some character design for his fantasy series. Because in addition to this comic writing that he's been working on now, he has oh geez, I, three, four, maybe maybe even five fantasy novels that are all set in a in a world that he's built. Um, and we actually before doing Discordia, we worked together on doing a graphic novel in his fantasy world as well. So I first started doing some just some some monster designs for his fantasy. Series because he wanted to have some extra, some more art to put up on his website, and you know it went pretty well, and he liked my stuff, and he had been thinking about doing a graphic novel, and so then we went ahead and did that, which was tarnished, which we started a couple years ago now, and then you know he just said he's like, man, it was, it was, I've always wanted to do a horror book, and I think your stuff would fit that really well, and so here we are.
2: I want you to take us back to when uh, Chris had hired you on. Uh, you've kind of gotten the character designs finished, and you've got that first script. How do you take Chris's script from a blank page and end up with a finished comic book page?
0: Well, I I mean, I always I do like lots of thumbnailing and layouts and stuff. Um, But what's been really cool on Discordia is because I'm well, I guess to go back a step on Tarnished. I was sort of just hired on to do it. Um, and it was great. It was good. Everything was was cool. And Chris was easy to work with. And I always had given him notes and suggestions on stuff. Sometimes there'd be a page. I was like, hey, we could like maybe move a panel or add a panel or whatever. And that'll make this, this flow better. But Chris said for moving forward to do Discordia, he was like, I really want you to be a bigger part of the writing and and creating on it so so i am so i'm a co-creator on that series and on that or on on all the discordia stuff we go back and forth a decent amount on on the script and and then on the layout and stuff and because i have sort of that added buy-in and that um bigger creative role i it's been really nice because i get to flex both sort of my writing muscles a little bit which is something that i'd definitely like to do as well but yeah, it allows me a little bit more freedom to to really get get crazy with the script and and, and really kind of own it. So I mean, I take the script, I usually I actually usually start by just looking at what's on the page, figuring out how much well, I, I think the most important thing for looking at a comic script is to figure out what's the most important action or event on the page and then figuring out how much real estate on the page you want to give that. So if you've got like a big fight scene or something and you want to have or or a a death or I don't know, somebody opens a door and comes in like that's the most important and most exciting bit of action. And so you want to sort of center your page around that. And then from there, I sort of figure out how many panels I want it to have or how many it needs to have. And then, you know, how much dialogue you need to have and then how much room you need to have for the dialogue is added onto that. But yeah, then I figure out the panels and then I usually do a bunch of thumbnails of just different kinds of panel layout and then figure out where the that sort of that um, that that important bit, (laughs) the meat of the page is going to go. And then I figure out how how to fit that in and then have the rest of the panels like frame that one. So I tend to think about pages as yeah, as like how to showcase the most important part. And that's, you know, to a bigger or lesser extent on, on certain pages, right? Like sometimes if you just have a bunch of dialogue, then there's not going to be a big visual like, meh, you know, but yeah, that's, that's kind of it. And then, and then pencils, then, then inks, then color.
2: What are you excited about with this Discordia launch?
0: So for this particular book, I'm actually really excited because we've brought in some other artists. And and they're going to be doing there's going to be different artists doing each of the shorts for Rotted Liar. And then I do put basically the framing of the narrative. So I have the intro and the outro for that book. And then each poem or short story or folklore bit that's in that book is, is drawn by a different artist. Um, and I think that's really I just think that's really cool. I think that there's something really nice about. The collaborative element of comics and it's nice to be able to pull more people into that and our our, on our first kickstarter for discordia we got to have a bunch of people come in and do um really cool variants on our for covers and that was really fun to get to see other people's interpretation of characters that i designed and yeah just it feels it feels good it feels like you're really grounding your story in in sort of the industry and and getting to include other people in, in that is is really exciting.
2: I wanted to go back real quick and talk about, uh, like you were talking when you first started out, about how a lot of artists are pushed away from doing art because they don't think that you can make a viable career doing it. I think something that gets overlooked with art or with artists is that it's as much about your skill drawing on a page but there's also a lot of marketing and the business side to it. And I wanted to talk to that about that for a
1: little bit.
0: Sure. Well, unfortunately, that's probably what I'm least good at, which I think is probably true of a lot of artists. Um, it's, it's pretty much diametrically opposed to the skills that you use to actually make art, I think. <laughs> so it naturally is kind of a weak point. And that's actually why I'm really glad to have uh, met up with Chris and be able to collaborate on this project because he's really good at it. Um, And it takes a lot of that off of um, a lot of the burden of doing the marketing off my shoulders. So again, I guess part of the good um, part of the benefit of collaborating in comics is being able to team up. And, um, and flesh out your skill set with a whole team. Um, but that being said, yeah, I don't know. It's tough. It's really tough. I think Twitter is decent for marketing. <laughs> I feel like that at this point, I kind of missed the boat on um, Facebook and Instagram. I don't think that there's a lot going on for artists there anymore. I know some people use TikTok and stuff. I haven't really delved into that. I've been meaning to start doing um, like live drawing sessions and stuff. And I think that that might be, I've seen people do that very successfully. And I think that that's sort of the next thing that I want to include into my, my personal marketing campaign. But I just haven't really had the time to, to actually set up and do it yet. So fingers crossed that that'll come soon. Yeah, I don't know. I used to do really well on Instagram and got, a, got work and got um, a pretty big following initially. Um, but it was I started using Instagram right before they, I think it was right before Facebook bought them, or at least right before they changed the algorithm to be more similar to Facebook's, where it prioritizes posts in your timeline, in your newsfeed or whatever, by like how popular they are. Um, and I think that that's just, that's just really tough to get a lot of traction on As, um, like, as an indie creator or trying to break into a field because, you know, a Jim Lee post has 14,000 likes or whatever. And even if you get 200 on yours, the the algorithm is going to show them the Jim Lee post 10 times before they show anyone yours. And I don't know, you know, that's just a total pull out of the air example, but it, it feels a lot like that. I used to get about three times the hits that I do now on Instagram. And I think objectively my work is a lot better. (laughs) So that's, you know, that's frustrating, but that also just is what it is. So I don't, I don't put that much time into Instagram anymore either. I have all my social media accounts linked. So whenever I'm uploading photos, it's going to everything, but I'm also not spending that much time catering to any one of them in particular. I think it's good because people can look at your stuff in a like in a medium that they understand because everybody at this point is pretty familiar with social media. So I think in that way, it's nice just because people can kind of at a glance, click on your profile and then see the stuff you're working on and see that you are working and producing content. So I think it'll always have a value in that way. But outside of that, I don't know.
2: What does the future hold for you and for Discordia?
0: So, I mean, after, after this one, after uh, Rotted Liar and our, our uh, apocrypha issue one here, we're going to dig in and do issue one of the main series. So we had kickstarted issue zero. Um, and like I said, that's a lot of, sh- it's a bunch of short stories that I'll do world building and then do a lead in to what will be our ongoing story. So that'll be the the bulk of what I'm working on. Yeah. I have, I have a couple of of projects that I've written that I've been sitting on, but I've shopped around a little bit and haven't, <laughs> of course I finished them right as uh, as COVID was starting. And so, <laughs> <laughs> and so that was about the worst time to have done that. So, I, yeah, I have a couple of, of, of projects that I've written that I would love to do at some point. And that'll kind of be my, my side project. I'm going to be chugging away on all the Discordia stuff and then trying to find a good home for those.
2: Patrick, what have been the biggest obstacles or challenges you faced and how did you overcome them?
0: Uh, the biggest challenge to art is economics. <laughs> and i would say that i am not fully overcome them and i am uh, you know climbing over hurdles rather than clearing them but i think the only way to do it is just to keep plugging forward
2: do you find it's gotten better as you get more leads and more contacts and more people i
0: think so um but also it's I guess to go back to what I had said earlier about collaboration is that, you know, I've been working on the Discordia stuff for a while now and and will be for the for a good chunk of the foreseeable future. So at some point, I think it's 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 less about the the number of connections you make and more about making a couple of good ones, um, because that's pretty reliable um, work for a while. And that's really important.
2: What do you feel has been your biggest mistake?
0: Um, I think my biggest mistake was <laughs> is my own stubbornness about my style and about the things that I was willing to put time into. So for the longest time I didn't do any color um, and partially that was because I just didn't know how to do it, but also because I didn't like working digitally and I could have gotten a lot more work early on if I had been willing to do more of the process myself. like that could have included lettering and stuff as well. But to be fair, I didn't really know how to do it and I felt, I didn't feel right about applying to projects saying that I could, even though I could have like figured it out in the moment, maybe. So yeah, I think diversifying your uh, your skill set is good in comics because it's such a there are so many different skills which are very different. But if you can do at least passably a handful of them, that helps.
2: What's been your best moment?
0: Best moment? I mean, getting to see the first. I don't know, probably just the first paycheck that I ever got <laughs> um, after graduating. Got a nice. Uh, PayPal invoice. That was good. That was nice.
2: (laughs) (laughs) What has been the best advice that you've received?
0: I think the best advice I've ever received is don't undervalue your work or your time. And that's tough because that means that you will have to turn down work. But if it isn't worth your time, then it isn't worth your time. And it sucks because especially when you're first starting out, it would feel great to add something to your resume and have more work for your portfolio. but If you're not making your time back on a project, it's not sustainable and you won't be able to put the time into it to make it good. And so it's not going to be as good of a resume builder as or portfolio builder as something else will. So even though it feels like you're turning down an opportunity, I think you just have to at some point. And that goes for like doing commissions and for selling original art and stuff too. like, especially when I like the first few shows that I went to, I was just like, Oh, I don't know if anyone will want to buy any of my stuff. So I had, you know, I had some original pieces that were pretty, pretty cool and pretty, like pretty large scale that I was selling for like, 40 bucks or something and I had a guy at a booth behind me was like hey you should you should really be charging like double triple that for something like that and I was like oh okay <laughs> that's good to know and I think it's true because you know maybe not you won't sell as many but you when you do you're you know you're getting more of your uh, of your bottom line covered on each sale I think I, I've I've made a purposeful effort to to spend a little less time on each page, especially doing the color, because I'm a little bit newer on doing color. And I found on the first couple things that I colored, I was spending easily twice as much time as I was on the line art on the color. And that's supposed to be quicker. And it was on stuff that, yeah, it made the page better. But the extra four hours that I spent on some tiny little detail, nobody is going to notice except for me. And so I've been trying to to streamline my process a little bit more. And one, it's as I'm getting better at it, I think there are less of those mistakes because I can, as I'm laying the whole thing out, it's more more finished from the get-go, if that makes sense. Or take, it takes me less steps. But yeah there's some things that are just like yeah it would be better if i fixed that or if i change the color on that or whatever but that would require doing all these other things and that amount the amount of time that that will take isn't
2: i'm sure there'll be some stickler who will notice and say oh you didn't cross hatch
0: this correctly yeah they will yeah i'm <laughs> sure <laughs>
2: Everyone listening, Discordia's winter special, The Rotted Liar and Apocrypha, number one. It's live on Kickstarter through December 29th. You can support it by going to www.discordia.net. Patrick, where else can we find you online?
0: Um, So I'm on uh, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Um, if you want to just follow my art and not have to uh, see me just arguing with people about politics all day, I would suggest the Instagram. <laughs> That's probably your safest bet. And that's uh, Patrick, B-U-E-R, art um, on Instagram. Um, I have also a website, Um You can check out some all my portfolio and some of my previous work on there. We'll be
2: sure to put those links in the description and show notes below. Patrick, thank you again for coming on and talking with me today.
0: Yeah, thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on.
2: If you know a creator that makes comic books or any other media and think they'd be a good fit for the show, drop us a line at UnderTheMaskShow at gmail.com.
1: You've been listening to the Under the Mask Podcast with Bill Colomb. Welcome to the family. If you're a fan of comic books, a total process junkie, or just looking for more insight into launching your own book, you found the right podcast for you. Thanks for listening, and make sure to like or leave a review, and we'd appreciate it if you'd tell a friend or two. To reach out, visit us at underthemaskpodcast.com. This has been a presentation of Why Comics. Till next time, this is the Under the Mask Podcast, signing off.